to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to business continuity, resilience, crisis management, disaster management, obviously uh, with the pandemic, COVID-19, and anything that's relatable to that entire uh, spectrum and industry. I'd like to remind everyone, if there is a topic you'd like us to talk about on the show, please feel free, send me an email. You can go to the Voice America page for the show, and there is a button uh, that uh, says to send the host an email. I do get all emails, and I do respond to everything. So we'll, I can see about getting you on the show or finding someone to talk about the topic you want, to, want us to uh, bring up here. Also, if you have any uh, product or service you'd like to advertise, either on the show or on our web pages, please feel free, send me a note, and I can get you some information as well. I'd like to remind everyone of, fingers crossed, um, some upcoming speaking engagements I have uh, in the DRJ Phoenix, or in, sorry, DRJ Fall, I should say, in Phoenix. Um, Hopefully, fingers crossed, we can do a live broadcast uh, September 28th. In October 7th and 8th, there's the Continuity and Resilience Today conference. I'm uh, speaking there in uh, Toronto and November 5th and 6th in Birmingham, uh, UK. Uh, Actually, I said that wrong. It's Birmingham, uh, UK, uh, November 5th and 6th. I'm speaking at BCI World Conference. Fingers crossed, as I said, nothing gets canceled and I can still do them. And I'd like to thank everyone today uh, at Stone Road for their boast assessment uh product, boastassessment.com, that allows you to self-assess your business continuity management program so you can focus your resources where you need to. So thanks to everybody there. Uh, If you're a long-term listener, you know I've said this a hundred times, more than a hundred times, I love to read and I read everything. And in the spring edition of the Disaster Recovery Journal, I came across an article I thought, you know, that's perfect for the show. I I really want to talk about that topic, especially considering um, maybe the implications with regards to uh, COVID-19. And the article was called The Evolution of Vendor Management. And I'd like to welcome to the show expert Vicki McKim. Vicki, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am uh, really enjoyed your article, and as I say, as soon as I read it, I knew, oh, i got to see if I can find her and get her on the show. <laughs> Thank you, Alec. I mean, that's very kind of you. Uh, could you take a moment uh, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how you got into the industry? Mm-hmm. And actually, I think in the article, if I recall correctly, you had an interesting story how you did get into the industry. It is kind of a fun story. So I have been um, doing business continuity and disaster recovery for over 30 years. I hate to admit it, but I have. (laughs) And I kind of 
fell into it because I was doing um, technology planning, um, network installations, video installations, things like that. And it was always kind of that other duties as assigned. Mm-hmm. And then it morphed into a full-time position. But um, there were interesting things that would happen as I was working through that continuity planning, all of a sudden I would get some phone calls and some of the phone calls were really alarming. One of them I got was from a manager at one of our remote offices and he said that our office was completely filled with this black, dirty, filthy water and it stank so bad he had to leave the floor as soon as the elevator door opened. He had to go get something to put over his face before he could even go back onto the floor. And when he opened the door, all of this black water put out of our suite. He could feel it mm. on the carpet before he opened the door, and when he opened the door, it just poured out across um, the floor, and there were about four inches that poured out into the vestibule in the lobby there on that mm. particular floor. So, obviously, that's a bad thing to happen to your office. We had paper records that were one of a kind that we had to freeze dry. There were a number of things that we had to do. And what we found out was that our building manager had contracted with a vendor. And so, our vendor contracted with a vendor and... They didn't properly vet what was going on. They weren't properly supervising a project on the floor above, and they had drained the pipes, but one pipe, they didn't know exactly what it was for. It looked different from the other pipes. No one bothered to check or to validate what was put into it. In 30 years of water from the sprinkler system in a wet pipe system dumped into our suite. And um, it caused a significant disruption to our our operations there. And we thankfully, um, we were back up in just uh, 24 hours, but it was a disruption of those normal things that we had, and we had to freeze-dry our documents. And even after that, people still had to use gloves because the documents stink so bad and nobody wanted to touch them because they were just really, um, the consistency of the paper was not the same and it still smelled pretty terrible. And for good or bad, here you are 30 years later stuck in the industry, right? <laughs> yes, I am. It all started just just make me a business continuity plan and then here you, you get um, to full-time uh, risk management. <laughs> well, you mentioned in your uh, um, opening there, you said uh, what we're going to talk about, vendor. Can you define mm-hmm. what real vendor management is? Because there are so many uh, different perspectives on, you know, viewpoints on what vendor management is. Can you define that for us? Yeah, and I, you know, just from my perspective, this is my personal opinion, vendor management is taking a holistic view of all of the factors that vendors bring to your company, from onboarding vendors to offboarding vendors, doing those RFPs, doing the risk assessment ahead of time, 
making sure that they've trained their employees, making sure they have continuity plans, making sure that um, if there are industry regulations for that particular vendor, that they're compliant, making sure that, you know, they're training up to OSHA standards or whatever standards they might have, and then making sure that they vet their vendors as well. And so it's this vendor management, when you look at how you manage those relationships with your vendors and the compliance that they have, you just want to make sure that you have all aspects of that relationship covered and that you're not leaving out anything that could have a negative impact on your operations because of the vendor. And so in the situation that I said, had that vendor had more appropriate subcontractor management mm-hmm. and supervision over that project that they were having accomplished in their facility, then that whole situation could have been negated. But instead, they relied completely on the subcontractor. They had no oversight of the project. They didn't really vet the vendor the way that they should have, or they would have known that there was this pattern and history of claims against this particular contractor. And so those are things that you should all catch in those vendor management, um, you know, processes when you're considering who to use as a particular vendor. Well, you got me thinking, does that mean vendor management is different than supplier management or is there an overlap or they are the same thing? It's not the same thing to me. So let's just say I have a vendor who supplies me supplies me with computer equipment. So that vendor in that supply chain that they have, if they're manufacturing um, equipment, laptops or any type of hardware, they're relying on components that they use from other vendors to create the object that they're creating. And so I remember it's probably been about 12 years ago, maybe a little bit longer now, that um, there was a really bad hurricane that came through and hit Thailand. And there Mm -hmm. was a chip manufacturer that actually supplied nearly the entire world with these computer chips. And because Mm -hmm. they were impacted backed up computer equipment deliveries for months. You couldn't get a piece of hardware because these chip components that were relied on out of Thailand were impacted, and so that supply chain management. For a manufacturer, it might be, is iron still available? Is concrete mm-hmm. still available? Or, you know, if you're fabricating something, is, is, is there a premium on wood? alternate sources and so it just depends looking at all of those little pieces that flow into a particular vendor and then flow on into you you want to manage that whole supply chain so that you make sure that your um, needs are all met and that you have those alternate vendors in place in case that supply chain is disrupted on one side or the other if I was uh, an organization, would I also, uh, I could potentially be a vendor for somebody else. So really what I'm being asked by other people, I would have to make sure that I'm asking those questions, right? 
because I could be supplying mm-hmm. you something or a vendor for you, and you're going to ask me those questions. But if it's the other way around, of, I'm going to be asking you those questions, right? Exactly. And one of the things that regulation has done for us is, you know, even things like in uh, socks and some of these other um, regulations, you have vendor management, you know, and how do you secure and control? Like if your vendors are coming on your premise, then how are you managing that vendor while they're on your premise? If you have mm-hmm. confidential information, how are you securing that? And so those are all the kind of things that can play into vendor management. Yeah, I, I guess when, you know, if you're bringing somebody in, you've got to make sure that, uh, you know, they've got the not just the right equipment, but they also adhere to maybe some of the rules and regulations you have within your facility, right? Yes, exactly. And that they're training their employees to do that because you can sign that agreement, but if they have one employee that they haven't trained or one employee that they, um, you know, maybe isn't trustworthy, that they haven't done a good enough background check on, it can affect not only the vendor, but it can affect your operation if if they're on your premise. Yeah, you know, if you're asking somebody to come in and, fix something IT related or uh, in your example, right at the beginning, you know, facility re- related and they don't do it right. It can have astronomical consequences. Exactly. And then you're, you know, you activate your plans and policies, but then you're also impacting your, your downstream uh, organizations that you supply things to. Yes. And one of the things, you know, the aspects that you're you're talking about there is that if your vendor disrupts you and that disrupts your service to your clients, then whose insurance covers that? And so that's another whole Mm -hmm. aspect of vendor management. What's in their policy, what's in your policy, and what's in your client's policies as well. And so all of that becomes part of that vendor management, but it's, it's, really broader than that. So it's really risk management in total, and it's just wrapping that um, vendor into that total risk management process. Is it uh, a long process to kind of go through this checklist, or is it something that you just, you know, make sure is in a contract, or you just ask questions? Like, you know, I, I, I guess what I'm getting at, is it a really large process to go through this, you know, to choose the right vendor, or is it you know, rather easy, you know, how how do you go about doing that? I don't think it's, yeah, if you're going to, if you're going to take on vendor management, there's several ways. I've seen people do all different things. You know, some of them, they just interview the vendor. Others almost do an audit and ask Mm -hmm. the vendor to provide documentation. And so there's a list of maybe a hundred questions. Let's just say other people have like 500 questions that you have to answer if you're going to be their vendor, but they're asking for, let me see your financial statements. Let me see your last audit of, you know, a certain, you know, stock two compliance or ISO compliance. Let me 
see those documents as well. Let me see um, your business continuity plan. Let me see your DR plan. When was your last DR test? And so you're asking them all of these these questions and add, asking them to provide some documentation for that. And then that all has to be reviewed and evaluated. And is this a high-risk vendor? So the analysis that goes into that, you know, if I have somebody coming in and supplying um, Pepsi or Coke to my, um, my employees, that's a lot different risk. If I, mm-hmm. if I can't have that, then if it's a computer chip or maybe a piece of equipment like a, a copier or something like that that I absolutely rely on on a day-to-day basis. And so when you're looking at evaluating their answers across the board, and you really want to include all of this in your RFP process as well, you want to vet um, your vendors ahead of time before you even take them on. So those that are already in, you want to begin um, making them aware that you're going to be going through this process and that they're going to be um, evaluated on an annual basis or biannual basis if they're already on board. And then um, one of the other things that you want to include probably is the performance. Um, evaluators, those key performance indicators and um, analysis of how is that vendor doing? Are we having problems with them on a regular basis? Are they dropping the ball on some things that we need them to perform? And so just including that in your rating. I've I've got some more questions for you, um, but I'm going to end our first segment. Uh, So we're going to be right back because I I think what you just said really had my brain going here, uh, which is probably a bad thing. (laughs) So um, today we are talking with Vicki McKim uh, and we're talking about her article in the latest DRJ magazine, The Evolution of Vendor Management. And we'll be right back. Your pets play a major role in your life. After all, they're as much a member of the family as anybody else. Now there's a show that will show you how to keep them healthy and living their life to the fullest. Healthy Tales with Dr. Mondrian Contreras. We'll talk about veterinary health and help you understand the wellness and treatment plans that you need to know about your best friend. Listen every Wednesday to Healthy Tales at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think of the world. 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Do you know that over 70% of people with disabilities are not counted in the workforce with twice the unemployment rate of the non-disabled? Join Joyce Bender, CEO of Bender Consulting Services and a disability leader as she talks about best practices and newest trends in disability employment on Disability Matters. As a person living with epilepsy and hearing loss, Joyce is an international advocate for disability employment. Tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about the show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to the show. Today we are talking with Vicki Kim about the evolution of vendor management. Uh, Vicki, you mentioned uh, KPIs, key um, performance indicators. Yeah. Um, you mentioned some KPIs at the end of our last segment. Can you expand on that a little bit? You know, What kind of things would we really look at for different vendors? And would they be different um, leading into the next part uh, for small companies, medium companies, or large uh, companies that we want to uh, partner with? Sure. So when I talk about key performance indicators, it really varies across um, the type of vendor that you have. So let me give you an example for IT. So maybe you're outsourcing your email, and maybe that email vendor has a major disruption once a month, and your email is not available one time a month, or maybe you're outsourcing your voice system to a provider, and maybe they're not available once a month. So when you're looking at those things, um, for those where you're relying specifically on their services and then they don't perform in a way that you need them to perform, that indicates that that's a high-risk vendor, right? Mm -hmm. So... It could be um, that for, you know, if you're talking about technology, let's talk about facilities, though. So I had the um, example of that subcontractor, and let me give you another example. So I had uh, a facility um, company. We were leasing some space. This was a different office, and their maintenance engineer um, had a clog in a pipe, and it was very stubborn, and he decided to use a new product, and he didn't thoroughly read the label, and he poured the product into the pipe. Well, about half an hour later, we had a hole through our ceiling that melted, and I oh. use that word melted. It was curdled around the edge of the ceiling tile. It looked ruffled. It had eaten a hole in the desktop, and it was eating through the next concrete floor. 
And um, people were complaining that their eyes were burning. And this is in a high-rise office building, right? So um, that that vendor, um, their maintenance engineer, that facilities engineer, had not read the product label. We had been assured it was a green building. This was not a green product. It was sulfuric acid. And it had literally eaten literally a hole all the way down um, through one floor and was eating into the next floor. And we were forced to evacuate a large uh, call center operation off of that floor. And we were out for 24 hours. And so any anybody who has call center operations, they know that that's a big deal when you have to shut down a whole operation with, you know, 200 seats in your call center. That impacts your revenue. And so um, just you know, from a facilities perspective, there's all kinds of things that your building manager, if you're leasing space, can um, cause disruption for, and so you want to look at that. Now, your business uh, unit vendors, depending on what services you're buying from them, whether those are, you know, whether, what about a call center? You know, we just talked about that. So if you're a mm-hmm. business unit and you're outsourcing some of your contact center um, operations, you want to make sure that they're always on and that your phones are always being answered and that your clients are being well taken care of if you're outsourcing that. So that's kind of the aspects of managing vendors differently. When you look at small companies versus large companies, mostly the large companies, they have a very robust risk management program. Um, mm-hmm. When it comes down to the small companies, that's where it's harder for them to manage that. They don't have the in-house expertise. And I will tell you, I've gone to um, my insurance companies and I've said, okay, this is how I do vendor management. This is how I do risk management. And tell me what I'm missing. And these are loss control agents. These are, you know, people who deal with risk every single day. And they've told me, we don't do anything that you do. And then, you know, I have questions back as to, okay, but then how do you prevent these kinds of things? And I give them all these concrete examples. And they say, we don't prevent them. We don't even look for those. We just end up paying those claims. So if you have a robust um, risk management program, you're going to catch a lot of these things that can cause these one-off disruptions that are just Mm -hmm. absolutely ridiculous. When you're a small company, you're probably going to have to rely on those loss control agents. But one thing you can do is you can ask questions of your vendors ahead of time, just making sure that they have a robust um, business continuity program. And if they don't, and if you choose to use them, then always make sure that you have a backup vendor um, that you can go to for that source and can activate that really quickly. And using your example, make sure they're trained to know how to use their products. Exactly. You know, you, with that example, the the sulfuric acid, just out of curiosity, nobody got hurt, correct? Because that would, you, you no. mentioned it went through a desk and everything, and that's got to be really dangerous. 
Yeah, it was. And fortunately, it was on a corner of the floor where no one was actively sitting. And it was the building manager that told me her eyes were burning. She sent me a photo. I told her immediately, get everybody with asthma and anybody who's pregnant out of there, like, right now. So we sent those off um, to the downstairs lobby, which we were several floors above. And so we got them out first. And then um, she opened the doors, and we called for more fresh air return in the suite. And then we found out what it was, and we just shut the thing down because Hazmat had to come in and clean it up. Wow. Well, thank goodness no one no one got hurt. Now, with the... Yeah, uh, that's very good. Yeah. With the... Uh, you mentioned a few times now, um, and I want to touch on it, uh, making sure they have a business continuity plan. Um can you expand a little bit on that? How does business continuity management get involved with vendor management? And what kind of things do we expect to see in a potential vendor's uh, program themselves, if they are even willing to tell us what they do? Yeah, and so one of the things you want to be asking is, um, you know, if they're relying on any technology at all, you want to be asking about their disaster recovery plan, right? If they're, um, you want to be asking them, okay, if you lose this particular facility, I know this is your headquarters, what's your backup plan for that? How, you know, have you tested to make sure all of your employees can work from home if that's your strategy? And just validating those things that you do yourself for business continuity, making sure that they're doing the same kinds of activities. Have they trained their employees? Do they exercise? How often do they update their plans? Um, mm-hmm. How often do they um, notify employees and test their call trees if they're doing that? You know, either test that notification system or their call trees to make sure everything's in place. And so those are things that you just, you know, very simply can ask them, even if you don't have a formalized vendor management program. Is there, how do you kind of validate some of those responses? You know, if you're asking, let's say five, I'll say five vendors through an RFP for all this information, you validate, you do a lot of the things that you just mentioned. How do you um, validate that what you're getting back is correct or sounds correct? Or, you know, how do you identify, you know, if, you know, something seems suspect? Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons that I'll ask for documentation. You know, if they're like ISO compliant Mm -hmm. and I can see that certificate of compliance, that makes a huge Mm -hmm. difference to me. If they're stock 2 type 2 compliant for a technology company, that makes a big difference because that's been independently vetted. Now, on your um, maybe facilities or some of the business services that you have, even if they won't give you the details of their plan, what I would suggest then is that um, you have a viewing of their plan mm, okay. as you would in an audit. Um, let me just come into your office or you come to mine, bring your stuff, just walk me through it. Let me see what you've got. I'm pretty quick that I can take a look at someone's plan and do a, you know, quick 
review, and I'm looking for specific components and then looking for their testing documentation, if they can provide that to me, I at least know at that point that they actually do have a plan. Even if I don't know all of the details, I can see that they're trying to actively manage it. And if they're actively trying to manage that program and train their employees, that's going to reduce my risk. Even if it's not exactly perfect, it's mm-hmm. still going to reduce the risk. Ah, that's interesting. I, I, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, companies, shall we say, or potential vendors, um, they don't want to share anything. If, if someone yeah. doesn't want to share any information with you, do you just kind of push them away or is there a way of, a different way of obtaining information? Any any suggestions there? Um, I think that's where you have to balance, you know, are they, um, how critical are they to your operations? So again, mm. if you're going to be outsourcing maybe your call center um, to someone, obviously that's going to be critically important for your clients. So if they're unwilling to share any information at all, not even allow you to see um, what their plans are, you know, just as a review, not taking anything with you, not retaining any records, but just even looking at how you manage the program, then at that point, I would say if they're unwilling to share, they're probably not a vendor that you want to rely on 100%. You know, if if it's a service like um, I talked about, you know, your vending, um, you know, for maybe your your pop machine or your coffee, that's a different kind of risk. And you know, the mm-hmm. questions that you ask them would be very, very different than what you would ask, like somebody providing technology or some other kind of service for your organization. So, do you really need to, or I guess you really need to take into consideration what it is you're um, uh, asking from this vendor, what what part and impact they could have on your, uh, you know, your company, your facilities by, you know, what they do, and that's going to drive what you ask. Yeah, and that, you know, part of that is just rating that vendor. What's the risk to your organization? Is it a mm-hmm. high risk, a medium risk, a low risk? Where's your risk tolerance level for that? And sometimes, you know, when you've been embedded with a a particular vendor and maybe suddenly um, their performance goes down, how do you manage that? Sometimes it's not easy to move from one vendor to another. And Mm -hmm. um, it it can be really, really challenging. Well, I'm going to go off script. How do you manage that? Because I know we weren't going to talk about something like that, but you just brought up a great point. And I think, wow, how do you do that? Because I think just about all of us have gone through that on some point. You know, if you've got yeah. a vendor who isn't meeting your expectations, you know, how do you go about changing things with with re- keeping that, you know, um, impact low? Yeah, and so, I mean, it you have to have, you have to have, you know, some of this involves some long-term planning. So if I have a vendor that's providing a service to me and, you know, it's going along fine and then suddenly over the last year or 18 months, they've had a number of issues that have directly affected my ability to deliver services 
to my clients and it's starting to impact my revenue, at that point, I have to decide how much risk am I willing, how willing is this vendor to correct the problems, can they correct the problems, if I don't see a change within X number of months, I mean, this is really a methodical thing, you've got three months to change this, if you do not change this, if we have one more outage, you need to understand that we're going to have to choose... um, you know, and it's not a threatening thing. It's just you have to make business decisions. And so if mm-hmm. a vendor is unreliable, sometimes depending on, you know, if this is a system change or a platform change, these these changes could take literally a year or more to transition yeah. to a different vendor. And so some of those things are, are really um, a long cycle. You know, you think about if you've been leasing a facility and your lease is up in five years, well, you've had a number of problems. They, it's a roof leak, and it's repeated, and they replaced the roof, and you've still had water problems, you know, or repaired the roof, and they're not willing to fix it and you know down the road it's going to do it again, then at that point in five years when your lease is up or is there something in your contract where you can get out of your lease, do you want to move? But then there's a lot of expense that goes with that, and so you have Mm -hmm. to weigh um, what's going to be the most feasible for my company. Those are just kind of those general risk management that you go through in any business. And so your risk management department, it should be overseeing not only your business recovery, because um, from my perspective, um, after you get rid of all of the risk and mitigate everything you can, including your vendor risk, whatever you can't get rid of, that's what your business continuity planning and your DR planning is for. And so it's really one of those things that just sits up under that entire risk management program. So if you have a robust risk management program, it's going to include all of these components in it, including that vendor management. And I think that's a perfect spot to end our second segment. We're talking today with Vicki McKim, and we're talking about vendor management. We'll be right back. Your pets play a major role in your life. After all, they're as much a member of the family as anybody else. Now there's a show that will show you how to keep them healthy and living their life to the fullest. Healthy Tales with Dr. Mondrian Contreras. We'll talk about veterinary health and help you understand the wellness and treatment plans that you need to know about your best friend. Listen every Wednesday to Healthy Tales at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. 
Do you know that over 70% of people with disabilities are not counted in the workforce with twice the unemployment rate of the non-disabled? Join Joyce Bender, CEO of Bender Consulting Services and a disability leader as she talks about best practices and newest trends in disability employment on Disability Matters. As a person living with epilepsy and hearing loss, Joyce is an international advocate for disability employment. Tune in on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back to the show. We are talking about vendor management today with expert Vicki McKim. Vicki, now I want to touch on the COVID-19 and vendor management. Um, do you think there's going to be a change in how vendor management is looked at um, in the coming months and maybe years, considering what um, you know that the pandemic has done to so many countries, organizations, regions? You know, do you, do you feel there might be a change here? Yeah, it's probably going to put a lot of pressure on the supply chain. So when you look at um, being able to acquire raw materials, I mean, we saw that even in the grocery sector, you know, just being able to get things from one place to another with um, things shut down and that... um, the shortages that we saw. I mean, we saw the toilet paper shortages of all things, right? (laughs) And um, the meat shortages now because of the packing plants and so some of those limits. So it depends on the industry and what you're relying on. I know um, we've seen in just, I'm in the Midwest and we've seen um, some of the menus on our takeout orders change like they don't have chicken today or they don't have beef today. And so if you're trying to get um, takeout orders, sometimes those things aren't available. And then there's always the price increases as well. Now, I've also seen, I read an article a little while ago, um, I can't remember if it was online, what site it was online, but there was a thought that um, when it comes to suppliers and vendors that 
a lot of organizations may start changing their vendors to start looking at something more local or regional, you know, people to deal with because of what uh, COVID-19 has done. Do you have any opinions on that? Yeah, I can. I agree with that. I think people are going to start looking at those backup vendors. Maybe you're you're doing business with someone nationally. As long as they're able to deliver, you're fine continuing that relationship. But if it's not available um, under those current service contracts, you've got to bring in somebody who can supply those things locally. Things like hand sanitizer, like we haven't been able to get as much as we wanted, but we found a local brewery that was actually making uh, 60-proof sanitizer um, that could be purchased by the gallon. And so that's what we've been using and putting it in our own dispensers. And so those are things that, you know, looking at the additional cost of doing business now because of the sanitation. Obviously, when you're looking at your cleaning contracts for your facilities where you have people, that's another thing that has to be um, considered as an additional cost of doing business now because you're going to have to have cleaning more often. Can you put down some microbial barriers? Do you need to add additional barriers between your workstations if you have an open floor plan, which a lot of companies do now? And so there's a number of things that have to be looked at and what's the cost and what's the benefit and is it less expensive to let go of the real estate? So that's another thing that people have started to ask. What about all this commercial Mm -hmm. real estate? Do we need it now? Um, Does it mean more commercial real estate is going to be needed because you're trying to spread people out and not sit them um, so close together? Or does it mean people just work from home? And so I I think it's too early to tell on some of mm. this, but there's a lot of potential for disruption of, you know, obviously the normal business environment as we've known it um, up until January. Well, uh, hopefully we don't end up with those awful cubicles like they used to be with the, you know, five-foot-high walls and you were stuck in a cube. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's funny you mentioned the hand sanitizer. There is a brewery here in Guelph where I live that uh, started doing the exact same thing. I think quite a few breweries did that to help fill that gap. So uh, I'm sure for them, yeah. they could become a vendor. You know, you could be an IT company and all of a sudden you're you're partnering with a brewery, but it has nothing to do with yeah. uh, any beverage. <laughs> I think one of the other things that comes to mind, too, is your HVAC um, provider. You know, someone who manages that for you, you're going to be wanting to look at, can they use HEPA filtration? Um, Are there additional kinds of microbial cleaners that they can use to um, clean the air? Um, Is there kind of an ionizing thing that they can do? Can you use UV, um, sea light to sanitize things. I mean, there's all types of things now that people are going to be looking at. Um, the cameras that mount to take temperatures of people with no touch, you know, and being able to monitor that flow of people in and out of your building. So there's a whole new gamut of risks that we didn't have during a normal flu season. And so we've lived with 
flu for a long time, this is a little bit different for sure. And so when you're thinking about how to secure those workplaces, there's a lot to consider and a lot to figure out how are we Mm going to do this and do it safely for our employees. Now, I want to circle back with something from the very beginning. Um, I made a note, and I just noticed I uh, didn't give myself a tick mark here. Um, You mentioned subcontractors. Now, if I'm talking with vendors, you know, five vendors, and, um, you know, I'm asking about their, their programs, their training, their BCPs, et cetera, like that, what kind of things do I ask uh, when it comes to subcontractors? So one of the, there's two things that I would ask. First of all, I would ask if my vendor has a vendor management program where they do something mm-hmm. similar to what I'm asking of them. The second thing I'm asking is if they are hiring a subcontractor, how are they supervising those projects that that subcontractor is working on? Is there daily contact? Is there just a weekly meeting? Um, you know, when I go back to the, the pipe bursting, had um, my building manager been appropriately overseeing the project, what happened would not have. Um, you know, that pipe would not have been cut. They would have recognized it and immediately tagged that one out had they been watching and supervising when all of the work was being done. And so those are two things that you can do, just betting that they have a vendor management program and that they're appropriately vetting the people that they work for, and then also just the supervision of those contractors when they're on your premise. Do I need to know who they are, or is it something I should ask, or or is the... Uh, the confirmation that they do have a vendor management program really, you know, is that better? Does that answer that? I, I always want to know who's in my building, you know, Mm -hmm. what are they doing and who's watching them? You know, after all of the things that I've had happen, I absolutely want (laughs) to know. You've had things happen. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> One day I got a call from a lady and she said, a man just fell past my window. And I'm like, what? What did you say? And it was actually a window washer. Um, the The building manager had hired someone to come in and wash the windows for the building. He hadn't vetted this company. And that company had not trained the employee. And they worked on a windy day. And they fell to their death. And everyone in our office ran to the window. They were in a conference room in a meeting when he fell past. And, of course, they're, they're not thinking. They ran to the window. They looked down. They were on the 12th floor. And I had two months of people having nightmares and trauma that affected productivity, obviously, in that office um, just because of the trauma of what they saw. And so... Again, when you go back to managing your vendor and the subcontractors that they have working, you really, really do want to take an active interest in how they're managing those vendors and how they're vetting those vendors before they hire them. Now, uh, my next question actually relates to some of those risk controls. Do you suggest that one person uh, look after that or 
do you suggest that um, with regards to vendor management that you know there's a little piece in the the responsibilities of the BCM person or the facilities person you know how do, how do you place vendor management within an organization to to manage these controls yeah my recommendation is to put it under the risk management department mm. but you have contributors to that so you know, mm, okay. I'm not a facilities expert, and so I want to have um, the facility, our facility manager, I want them to look at the answers I'm getting back from those vendors if it's related to finances, you know, because we ask for financial reports. I can't right. analyze that appropriately, and so I would be asking um, our finance um, our CFO to take a look at that, make sure everything looks good. Same with the IT area. I'm not an expert enough. I know enough to be dangerous, but mm-hmm. I want those <laughs> expert eyes looking at those things and making sure that everything seems appropriate and um, that they feel comfortable using that vendor. So even though it comes up okay. under risk management, Absolutely, you want to get others who have the expertise involved in analyzing the data that does come back. Oh, okay. Well, we've got two minutes left, roughly two minutes left. Um, Is there any final thoughts you'd like to bring up about vendor management that maybe we didn't cover here or something you'd like to recover? Sure. One thing comes to mind. I, you know, it can be very simple or it can be very complicated. And even Mm -hmm. if all you do is create a spreadsheet and just have a list of questions and interview your vendors, even that is going to help you identify and reduce some of your risks. If you're regulated in any way, I always recommend that you start there. What do the regulations require? And then making sure that your vendors can meet that with you. Um, if you're meeting those and you absolutely want your vendors to meet those requirements, you know, especially when it comes around data security, um, you want to make sure that whoever your vendor is, they're meeting those requirements as well. So even from a simple spreadsheet, I know there are lots of platforms. We've actually um, built one of our own um, and incorporated risk management into it, and it ties in with all of our Um, BIAs, and then all of our uh, business recovery plans. And so it's phenomenal. We love it. And um, can't say enough good about that particular product. But, again, whether you do it very simply or whether you uh, choose to utilize a platform that may be out of the box that you can configure for your business, you do want to manage it in one way or another and not just leave it to chance. Right. Well, on that, we've come to the end of our show. Vicki, thank you very much. You gave us a lot of information regarding vendor management, and I really appreciate your expertise and sharing your time with us. Thank you, Alex. It's been my pleasure. And to everyone listening, uh, don't forget, I could might be in Toronto, Birmingham, or Phoenix in October, November, September, October, November this year. Fingers crossed. You know, I will be at these conferences If there's a topic you want me to talk about, please send me an email or advertisement. Send me a note. I'll get you the information. Thanks to everybody at Stone Road and BoastAssessment.com for today's sponsorship. And in the meantime, stay prepared, everybody. 
Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.